Welcome to the Who Needs Instructions podcast, the podcast that wants to get men talking. So it gives me great pleasure to welcome you back to another edition of Who Needs Instructions, the podcast that wants to get men talking. And uh, I have got a brilliant guest for you today. Uh, this is a gentleman by the name of Ian Pitchford. And if I was to use his full title, it would be Ian Pitchford, ICF PCC MBA. Uh, Ian, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much indeed, Matt. How are you? <laughs> I'm very good, mate. Very good. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Um, when people have got letters after their name, I assume they're very busy people. And I know for fact, you are a very busy person. Indeed. In, indeed, in, indeed, I am. There's always a lot going on in life. In fact, I spoke to a, uh, I spoke to a lady today and she just turned around and said to me, how do you fit all that in? Um, and I think the answer really is, is I don't, I don't, I don't have a proper job. <laughs> well, let's get into that. So <laughs> I, I'm gonna, uh, I mean, I, you know, again, obviously, we have spoken in the past. We've actually done some work together. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, so I got a good idea of what it is that you do, but I know that I'm going to learn some stuff from uh, this episode as well. Now you're an ex-military man, and now you are. I'm going to call you a coach, but you're a coach trainer as well, aren't you? You're a, a supervisor, a leadership mentor. Um, you are an NLP practitioner, um, and you're involved in the scouting movement. You're not our first guest to be involved in the scouting movement as well. So, um, uh, if I take you back to your fresh out of school, what did you? What did you go straight into uh, into the Royal Navy, or was there I did. I joined. I joined. I got on a train at eighteen, um, uh, and I got off just down the road from from. Oh, I feel quite nostalgic actually. Almost a little bit emotion. Already, Matt, I got off the train just down the road from where I now live uh, in Totnes, and um, my my bags went on a on a lorry, and I got on a coach, and and I stood on the parade ground um, in the darkness uh, at Britannia Royal Naval College. Yeah, and I joined the Royal Navy. Fantastic. And was that something you had intended to do? Was that was it a life goal or was it something you thought, well, this would be a good first step? Um, it, oh, that's that's a really good question. It, it was, um, I, I think, a, a service. A service life for me wasn't necessarily inevitable, mm -hmm. but there was just lots of people. So uh, probably like a lot of people um, my age, who's who you sat down and talked to, you know, your granddad, and they had all these stories about um, about the war, and mm. uh, and actually great aunts and uncles um, that were. And you heard these stories, and actually, this this idea of of living a life of adventure, and um, school probably as a result of my dad, really, because my my dad uh, my dad was an engineer, and so I think probably he had the ability to help me with my maths and physics homework. So what that meant was that I ended up becoming really good at maths and physics. <laughs> so so this idea of being an engineer sort of steadily grew for me. Uh, when I was at, at school and originally I wanted to be a chemical engineer because chemical engineers made beer and, and as a young <laughs> and, a, and, a, and as a young 16 year old the idea of being like some the world's biggest brewer um, kind of really appealed and then um, 
and and then I I don't know I then connected with this idea of a service thing, and and suddenly, I've I've always been pretty full on and quite enthusiastic about life, um, and and so I ended up uh, being a, an aircraft engineer in the Royal Navy, and I thought you know what I could I could possibly sit in a nice warm hangar somewhere at Heathrow and and do those things, or I could do it in the middle of the field with the Royal, you know, with the Royal Marines, or I could do it on the, you know, on the flight deck of a ship somewhere in the North Atlantic. And, and actually it, it felt as though it, it was a career, it was a career plus, it was a career on steroids. And if you were actually going to challenge yourself and, uh, and really do something a bit different, then, then maybe a life in the armed forces was the place that you went to, to do that. And, uh, and so, yeah, it, it became, uh, it became almost an itch that I couldn't scratch. It just something that grew and grew. And um, yeah, so I went through the interview process and, and did all that stuff as as uh, as people will be aware. And I then found myself on um, on the 3rd of January 1990, stood on the parade ground at Britannia Royal Naval College. And it was a decision and a day and a thought process that like many people, it it, you know, it, it fundamentally shaped the rest of my life. Fantastic. I, I love that uh, phrase, career on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's going to come up again at some point in the future, no doubt. Um, now, I know from reading up on you that you spent a dozen years uh, in the Royal Navy. Now, is that, you know, in active service? What what sort of things were you doing whilst you were, I mean, you're an engineer, but what, what, what were you, uh, did you see service? Did you see action? Um, yeah, I spent I um, uh, I spent some time in uh, in Northern Ireland, mm-hmm. um, which was an interesting place to uh, an interesting place to spend time, and um, and I uh, had some unique and interesting experiences in the former Yugoslavian Republic. Okay. Um, so, uh, but that was very different. When I speak to my friends that stayed and my um, and my colleagues and some of my my now friends, um, that those that time was probably very different to the intensity of uh, you know of 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 being a young Royal Marine on you know on a on a heric operation, you know in in the thick of our time in Afghanistan, you know, where they were absolutely, you know, uh, you know, battered on a daily basis for, mm-hmm. you know, for six months. It, 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 it was, it was a different, it was a different way of being in service. Everybody always turns up to do the best they can with what they've got and you meet the challenge at hand. And so one of the things that you don't ever tend to really do as servicemen is, is judge or compare anyone else's service. Cause sometimes it's just the look of the draw, you know. Your name came out for the role that you that you did, you know, almost out of the hat sometimes, as you as you wonder about how career management in the service sometimes works. <laughs> yeah, I bet, I bet. So, uh, at the end of the twelve years, what was the reason behind leaving? I mean, I'm assuming you could have stayed on, or was there, uh, you know, I was going to say, is there some kind of dishonourable discharge? But I'm sure there wasn't. <laughs> no, well, that that might be um, at the age I'm at now, because it's so long ago. Then um, that that might be a great story to tell. It I might even know. So, um, I um, I did something. Well, I I did I did quite a lot of things. Uh, 
at, at the point in time of me transitioning from the service, um, I got married. Excellent. Uh, I started a master's degree. <laughs> um, and, um, and my wife was, was pregnant. Okay. And so she was also in the service and um, in the Royal Navy. And I decided that, that actually if I was going to be a husband and I was going to be a dad, um, that actually I needed to be there. Sure. Um, and, my, and my MBA had given me a thirst for wanting to be an entrepreneur. It had given me a sort of idea and a series of ideas about um, how to show up in the world differently. And so there was sort of all these ideas that collided all at once. Um, and I wasn't quite ready to give up uh, Armed Forces life. So actually, I left the regulars and joined the reserves. Um, but at the same time, I also I set up um, I set up a company um, pretty much, which was the, I suppose, the seed and the origins of everything I do now. That company's just sort of blossomed and grown. I suppose I just planted a little acorn and... Uh, and, and, and waited for, for what happens uh, today. So I, I'm one of those people, you meet a lot of people that probably uh, left the service at times because they've got some horrible story or they didn't particularly like it. Do you know what? I loved every single minute of it and I have nothing but heartfelt affection for my time, uh, both regular and reserve in the armed forces. Excellent. Um, it, it was just time to be able to explore the world slightly differently. Uh, and really keen and enthusiastic to be a dad. And unfortunately, because of the nature of the role I did, you know, where you run a department and look after lots of people, I'd um, I'd, I'd seen a lot of people's marriages go down the pan and I'd seen a lot of people who, who didn't really have that great a relationship with their kids. And it's not because they didn't want to. It's just because they weren't really there. Um, and I thought, you know what? I've got one opportunity to... You know, or I decided that I was going to have one opportunity to be a dad and a husband, and <laughs> uh, you know, and I wanted to make that a priority. And uh, and and of course, the other thing is, is I've been sort of stepped into doing um, another level of education. Um, I wanted to give me a go. I wanted to almost, um, I suppose, buy my own lottery ticket. And, and I wasn't necessarily sure whether the service would always, you know, would give me the opportunity to to use all this new stuff that I was learning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, and I also kind of naively made a little bit of assumption, which is if I uh, if I wasn't very good at it, I could always uh, try and apply and join again. <laughs> so, I mean, to, to kind of uh, wrap up what it is that you do today is, is quite difficult because you have... You obviously you're a very well qualified uh, trainer. You've got your NLP, neuro linguistic programming. You're a master trainer in that. Um, you're obviously you you coach coaches as far as I'm aware. Um, you know, and and I know that you do some some hypnotherapy as well. So um, if you were to sum up, if someone, what's your elevator pitch? If someone said to you, Ian, what do you do for a living? You have got 15 seconds. Go. Oh, well, I'm already going to make that complicated, Max. It depends who that is. <laughs> However, I am. Uh, so the official title is that I am an organizational development consultant. I help companies sort stuff out. Um, bottom line is, is I'm a little bit of, of your own personal anarchist friend. 
for me, we all have a relationship with ourselves. We've all got an inner narrative. And and what I do is just I've got a whole variety of tools and techniques to support people in exploring that conversation with themselves. And if that conversation means that they need to be a better leader of a company in order to inspire thousands of people, I'll support them with that. If that inner narrative stops them being the best dad, then sometimes we'll do that. And sometimes you call that life coaching. Mm-hmm. And um, if uh, and if I was invited to talk to the team at Argyle right now, you know, go Green Army, I would probably Ooh. help them. I would probably, I would probably help them, uh, you know, maybe score a few goals or no, certainly not let as many in as they're currently doing. So it's about supporting people explore their relationship with themselves. That's it, really. Okay, and we must explain that uh, Ian is a Plymouth fan and I'm an Exeter City fan, so uh, <laughs> they're arch rivals. So let's just leave it there because Ian's a nice guy just to show me support to the football team. <laughs> um, and do you see the transition from military into coaching? Because I've seen a lot of people do that, and I, I, I kind of know your answer on this. Uh, because we have spoken about it before, but again, I want to share it with the audience. Um, yours is a, you know, th- there's a lot of education that you've obviously been through since leaving the forces, um, and there are a lot of cookie cutter approaches, if you like, that it appears that some other people who have left the forces have have taken. Uh, and yours is very much more. You, you've gone both feet into this, haven't you? Basically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for for. For me, supporting people in their growth and development is uh, so the phrase that we traditionally use these days around that is 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 coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and I consider myself wholeheartedly to be a professional coach in the same way that I used to be, you know, a professional and very well qualified aircraft engineer mm-hmm. with a, a level of qualification, governance, support and all the rest of it. Um I, I get quite, uh, as you know, I get quite animated around, certainly where we live in the Southwest, you can sort of throw a stick and it, it bounces off about half a dozen people that call themselves a coach. Um, and because it's not a protected name or a protected word, it means that actually, very often the people they're coaching are not protected, which means that that actually sometimes you get a lot of people's opinion. You get a lot of other people's regurgitated history because a lot of coaches out there simply just tell you what what they did or, or or give you advice, as opposed to not only being well qualified, um, not only being <coughs> accredited with some form of you know a professional body, but then en- engaging in having you know your professional practice scrutinised to make sure that you are genuinely at the top of your game and making sure that you're you're really supporting people. Yeah, yeah, and of course, initially when you say all that, everyone thinks that that sounds really quite mechanical. But it, it's, you know, it, 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 you know, it's not at all. Um, it, it, it actually means that that you've got a really powerfully well earned, invested skill set to be able to really empathise and support people, you know, on their journey through some quite difficult times. If if that's what they're facing, you know, as as they want to evolve. It's interesting because this conversation has come up on several podcasts now. Uh, I think Dean Stewart, the last podcast, um, and Andy Cooper, the uh, the editor, who said, 
is it it could be as recent as 10 years ago where if someone came into work and said oh i've got myself a business coach you know there'd be a lot of sniggering around the office oh he's got himself a coach blah, blah, blah. and then it, a, a dean i think dean summed it up really lovely in the last podcast where he said well if you look at all the top sports people you know tennis stars uh, golfers they all have coaches even though they're at the top of their game um, you know, and I was going to say it's becoming more acceptable. Acceptable is not the word. It's becoming the norm. I've had a business coach who actually I lent on probably personally as well. So there was some, you know, some personal coaching uh, that she helped me with too. Um, have here's a question for you: Have you got your own coach? Um, you know, do you do you uh, seek the services of a, of a business coach? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, although. I it makes me smile when you say um, business coach because because um, I have visions now of 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 no one sitting in the office for the day other than the coach as they're trying to coach the business. Um, <laughs> yeah. The one of the things that for me that I always talk about is that we coach people. Yeah. How, how you choose to use that skill set and the context you wish to to employ it in is is your call. Um. So so actually, when people say to me, you know. Are you a business coach? The answer is yes. When so people say to me, "You're a life coach," the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've got a lot of experience uh, to do to support people in all of those things, but actually, we coach people, um, yeah. and it's that connection with people. So, do I have a coach? I do, absolutely, wholeheartedly. Um, it's important for me that not only do I practice what I preach, um, but sometimes you just get lost a little bit in your own narrative and your own story. Um, if we're being really crude, we just Sometimes we, we, we sort of, uh, we listen to our own bollocks, I suppose. You can be um, as crude as you want, by the way. <laughs> okay. And then, um, so our ability to be able just to to talk that out loud, you know, with someone who's not going to judge you. Mm. Um, and actually someone who can maybe ask some really powerful questions yes. um, to raise your awareness around it. Um, exactly like you're doing, actually, with this, this podcast is, you know, whilst it, uh, the process is, is the same. You're encouraging people to be able to talk um, because as we talk and we share how we think, but more importantly, how we feel, because um, that's the bit that, that that gets us excited and it's the bit that does the, at times, does the damage. As we talk it out loud and we mm-hmm. talk it out loud to other people, um, we take it from something that's just swirling around our head and, and we, we, you know, it's a bit like, you know, it's a bit like being in a bar and, and you, you can stand at the bar with your mate and, and you can see, you know, a vision of beauty walk past. In the days when we were allowed to go into bars, obviously, you could True. see an absolute vision of beauty walk past. And the only time you end up in a fight is when you say something out loud, you know, because you can't then take it back. When you go, my word, you know, when I have your phone number, only to realise now that their partner is, is, is quite agitated by the fact that you've just said that out loud. And, and it's encouraging, you know, one of the things that, that's really important in our role as a coach is, is to be able to, to create an environment, to create a space where people can talk without judgment and, and have questions asked in a really safe way to be able to explore how they think and feel about some of the stuff that's going on and, and how they shape their future. Okay, blunt question for you then. Yeah. Uh, and I know there won't be a simple yes or no answer, but that's how I'm going to ask it. Um, who's easier to coach, men or women? Oh. 
There was a big pause there. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I dare. Um, well, you don't have to, but but you know, give give me your reasoning. I mean, because I'm all about getting men communicating, and the more I'm having these conversations on the podcast, the more I'm learning about um, the way that women do it, and actually the way that women have possibly a massive advantage um, because they are more open and more susceptible and are more adaptable to change because of the changes they have going through their lives as opposed to the changes that men go through aren't as dramatic so i just i just in your experience you know so i i don't for me personally i don't think i can answer that question because when people choose to engage in a coach they're normally in a place where they're they're looking to explore an idea they're prepared to be vulnerable if you were to ask me do i think society teaches young boys onwards to be less honest and and less exploratory about their emotions and to be less vulnerable um i do and do i think that we that that very naturally uh, uh, that social conditioning uh, teaches women that to be more mutually supportive of each other, and therefore, then hence, it's okay to be to, to talk, to be vulnerable, to say how you feel. It's okay to be able to, um, I don't know, make a mistake or, or, or somehow not be in competition with other people, uh, mm. uh, with with other people in their peer groups. I do. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I genuinely think that, um, you know, what you're doing is a great thing. And I genuinely think that, that we need to to reverse the social stereotype and all the bollocks that goes with it around people not talking is that somehow strength comes from being able to absorb it all. And, and there's an interesting... I don't know if I'm using the right word. I was going to say dichotomy, but you know, you come from a, a military regimented background as far as work goes. Um, and I would, in my experience, military men, and I've met many, many, some of my closest friends are, uh, are ex forces. And some of those guys are, are guarded and quiet and you don't know what's going on. And again, others are a, an open book. So there's no, you know, you don't come out a certain type. But to come out and, and to be as open and honest as I know you are, I would consider that to be fairly unique. Would, would you? Um, Blow your own trumpet. Don't be afraid. Yeah, yes. Yeah, I suppose yes and no. I mean, I um, uh, there are there are people that would, would use some very choice four-letter words about me in in you know, in, in my military career, I was kind of, and there's probably some people that would use some four-letter words, significantly powerful four-letter words, you know, um, they'd all be in bold in capitals and underlined if they were in an email around how I show up now, because I've got, um, I've probably got quite an exacting, at times I've got quite an exacting set of standards, mm-hmm. which which have come from the military. But on the other hand, if, if I was to tell some of the people that I serve with what I do now, yeah, then, then, and and how I go about it, and some of the experiences I have, and and so on and so forth, and they would see me as a proper and utter left field tree hugging, um, yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't really know, um, you, you know, could, especially, you 
especially if I told them that, you know, I, te- I, also, I teach meditation. You yeah. Know, I know how yeah. to spell the word chakra. Um, <laughs> that normally, that, that, that normally makes people feel a little bit frightened. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, as someone who does, and again, we've spoken about this in the past, but as someone who attempts to practice meditation you know I, I absolutely sits comfortably with me but i imagine it scares the crap out of people that don't understand it oh t- uh, totally because because we are uh, you know we're conditioned at times aren't we to um to try and create a sense of certainty we are conditioned at times to be able to to create the unknown into the known and actually, one of the things that you're very good at, depending on which bit of the military you focus on, is that you're very good at that in the military, is to create a sense of certainty, to be able to inject order when there's not. Mm-hmm. But actually, in order to be able to inject order, there has to be absolute chaos. And I think I was just one of those individuals that got used to and quite enjoyed the, the bit before, you know, the chaos, the, the storm that came before the calm. And so <laughs> when you when you get when you get comfortable in that place and you get comfortable with the idea of, of, of the unknown and not, not knowing what's going to happen and stuff like that, then, then things like, you know, just sitting with, with, with things like meditation become really cool. I mean, I, I think about it, to be honest with you, Matt, I think about it. You remember those little, uh, you used to get them as a kid occasionally in a cracker or something, or, you know, an auntie bought you one just to keep you still for a minute. You know, those Chinese finger puzzles, Yes, and yes. you could put your finger in both ends, and the more you wriggled, the tighter it got, and the and the more you pulled on it, the tighter it stayed. Well, well, actually, very often trying to trying to bring order and and uh, and structure and certainty to the world is, I think about like like that because the very often the more that we try and do it, and the more that people tr- sometimes try and do it in their lives, actually, the the less they get hold of. Whereas sometimes, you know, if you just uh, if you if you sit and let it be, without wishing to uh, quote Paul McCartney, <laughs> the if you sit and let it be, then actually very often it will all just calm down and make order and sense of itself in its own in its own way, and that's yeah. one of the beauties about meditation, really. Absolutely, I've I've learned so much about myself through meditation, and that is yeah, the. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had someone come up to me the other day, and he's and he is someone I I look up to. Um, he is a very successful man, uh, you know, both work and home life. And he said to me, Matt, can you teach me how to appreciate the small things in life? <laughs> and I was like, wow, what a question. And I'm not sure I can teach it yet, although I'd love to be able to show people how to appreciate the smaller things in life, because actually there, there, are, there is so much around us to appreciate. But I think that has definitely come from me sitting with myself, doing my meditation and understanding me a lot better and understanding what makes me happy. Well, you've just, I mean, for me, Matt, you've just, you've almost just, um, it's one of life's holy grails is um, most people do not have a relationship with themselves or don't understand themselves. Mm. What they're constantly trying to do is be a version of themselves that they think other people want. Yeah. be it a partner be it parents be it an employer and and so actually they become more and more distant from from who they are so it, it's it's really hard for them to be themselves um because they're 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 connecting all the time and trying to be something they're not you know possibly to make other people happy or, or whatever it is so it means then that how they feel they bottle away 
Whereas if we truly, truly spend some time actually focusing on the authentic us that's on the inside and, and meditation is a beautiful way of doing that, mm. you know, um, amongst other things, you know, so appreciating the small things, actually, to be in to be in gratitude and in awe of what you experience um, and to appreciate the the significance of those things is a really, really powerful way. And it's almost like, um, uh, you know, coming home. And as you, as you come home to yourself and you build that relationship with yourself, what we see is people's self-esteem, their confidence, their courage, um, all, all those things just, just leap off the page, at, yeah. at, you know, and, and it's a really powerful thing. So um, that understanding or, or being comfortable with self um, is a really powerful thing. Um, and it's certainly been part of, it's definitely been part of my journey between, you know, leaving the military where you, there was a whole load of stuff, you know, actually you'll need to be like this, you'll need to be like this, this will need to happen in order for you to get promoted and all the rest of it. Whereas, you know, now um, <laughs> I, I probably achieve more and I'm probably more professional and have better quality relationships because the only person that I am each day is me. I mean, you know, for the for the limited time I've got to know you, you really do seem like you've got your shit together. And I mean that in, you know, yourself, you are so happy, you know, you've got, a, 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 it appears you have a wonderful relationship with your wife and your children, uh, from what I see on social media. And, uh, and I knowing you, I know that you're not, you know, you're not that person that puts stuff out on social media to impress others, you're just trying to encourage others to appreciate life i think that the way that you do right i i'd like to ask people uh, a set number of questions so i've got cool. four questions for you uh question number one what do you think it takes to be a man in the 21st century uh, i think it uh i think it takes a desire to want to work out how to be comfortable in the skin you're in I sometimes use the phrase vulnerability, but that that's a word that's getting hijacked way too much. And, you know, and, and suddenly we've got, you know, randomly people artificially doing it. I, I think um, actually we've got to start from this. You know what? You're okay. You're okay. And there's probably some stuff to explore in order to be more okay. And I think, just starting that journey of accepting that wherever you're at in life and however you want to show up, actually you're okay. Yeah. That's a great answer. Being comfortable in your own skin. That's a really good answer. Um, Who has inspired or who's been the most influential person in your life? Ian. (laughs) Uh, The the list is on the one hand, the list is quite long and distinguished because uh, I I deliberately seek my my and it, and it has to be my my dad plays a large part in that. Um, my dad once told me before I joined the Royal Navy, he went, he said, just remember, son, everybody has something to teach you about the way they've lived their life that can have an impact on the way that you can live yours. And he said, sometimes you might have to look a little bit harder with some people than others. He said, and occasionally, he said, if they've got all their life in a carrier bag, it may be how not to make the mistakes that they made. 
Um, however, that whole piece around just being really curious about other people's lives and, and, and assuming that everybody has something to teach you and share, share with you has just been a really powerful lifelong lesson. Um, and the, the other person, uh, which is quite timely that we're, we're doing this, um, the other person for me who I never met, but I would love to be able to have had the opportunity to have a conversation with is, um, is Sir Ernest Shackleton. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, um, and the reason why it's quite timely right now is because uh, 114 years ago uh, this week, he set off from Elephant Island to sail to South Georgia in order to be able, in what was probably one of the most selfless uh, journeys of um, of heroism that possibly we've ever seen in the world. And his total dedication and service to the people that he felt responsible to and for and, and to be in their in their service, you know what we very chicly call these days servitude leadership, um, is just had a profound lesson, and it's probably the way that I live my life now. I live my life very much, it, it, and I see myself in the service of of all of those people that I can help and support. Fantastic, great answers, great answers. Okay, uh, what sort of legacy would you like to leave? Wow. Um, I would like to leave the world uh, with with one phrase: build a bridge, get over it. <laughs> um, and 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 there's a, there's a, for me there's an idea in that which is um, that, you know those challenges we face in life you know. Um, it, it 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 never does any good to bury it. It never does any any good to hide it or to run away from it or to mask it over. So actually, you know, pay attention to it, and then uh, you know, and, and and work out how you can legitimately move on without feeling as though there's a skeleton in the closet. Yeah. that sometimes will come back and back and haunt you you know just do it service build a bridge get over it excellent thank you ian i like that i like that a lot okay the last one's possibly the most difficult question of them all okay so you ready for this yeah braced tell me your best dad joke my best dad joke is why did the hedgehog cross the playground don't know to get to the other slide. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's a proper dead joke. Love it. <laughs> Ian, I just want to say thank you very much indeed for your time. Um, I knew it would be a pleasure chatting to you. Uh, so uh, hopefully it's a, a pleasure for our audience as well. Well, I think it will be. Um, Ian, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way that they can get hold of you? Uh, www.amindforadventure.com and um, at a mind for adventure on um, you know all the usual forms of uh, of social media um, but probably the you know if we're if we're being frightfully professional and serious for a moment then probably the easiest way is just to say hello to um, 
I'd say say hello to both Ian Pitchfords on LinkedIn because um, there is only two of us, but I'll be the one that responds. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, Ian, uh, thank you for everything that you're doing now. Uh, and belatedly, thank you very much indeed for your service as well. Cheers, Mark. Thanks for listening to the Who Needs Instructions podcast. We release a new episode every week, so make sure to subscribe and we'll speak to you again soon.